Welcome to another episode of Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of never-ending opportunities and merging ecosystems with world-renowned entrepreneurs and influencers. Now, here's your host, David Harder. Of Epic Financial Strategies here in Red Bank, New Jersey, in the Epic Podcast Studios. This is Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the endless pursuit of creating infinite sales opportunities by emerging ecosystems. I want to welcome everybody to this evening's session of Infinity X. We are honored and privileged to be joined by the brand ambassador, Mr. Henry Comiskey. Henry, how are you tonight, buddy? How you doing, David? Can you hear me all right? See me okay? Yeah. Yep. See you perfectly fine. Can hear you perfectly fine. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing awesome, man. Uh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, and also my condolences, man. Um, you. You're very, very welcome. Um, so <clears throat> my partner, Rob Gill, is going to be joining us here in just a few minutes. Um, but, you know, to know where you're going, you have to know where you're from. So, Henry, where did it start for you? Where are you from originally? <laughs> Oh, man. So born and raised in New Jersey, actually grew up not too far from where you are right now. I grew up in um, uh, my my middle age years was 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 in Middletown, New Jersey, and my high school years were in Long Branch, New Jersey. Long Branch. Um, and then once I went off to college out in Pennsylvania and in, in, in Amish country, <laughs> I had to get my butt back to Jersey. So uh, got a job up here in northern New Jersey. Uh, at a local hospital and then just dug my roots deep into here as my my both my parents were born and raised up in northern New Jersey my father from Jersey City my mother from a, a, a small town called Karlstadt which is sure. right next to uh, MetLife Stadium yep. and uh, so we've had family up here for years and uh, it's just a blessing to be able to now raise a family up here. And I'm much, I'm in the sticks now. I I'm up in the mountains <laughs> uh, up in Sparta, New Jersey now, but it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. My partner, Eddie Gartner has always aspired to be in the sticks as well. So um, you're probably going to have a neighbor pretty soon, but <laughs> come you on know, up. Yep. You know, Henry, I, I was struck by your childhood story. I know that um, one of the things that you share publicly is that uh, your mother and father, for a period of time, were having uh, challenges with childbirth. Yep. And then um, when you were born at a very, very young age, and forgive me if I butcher this, but I believe it's called hypernutrema. Is that what is hypernutremia? Yeah, it, it's basically when you you lose all the the salt in your body, mm. uh, and you you basically you basically go into like a shock. From from what I gather, again, I'm I'm in no I'm this is I'm not a medical uh, professional whatsoever, uh, but as I as I as I dug deeper around that story, uh, actually recently, I, I had asked my father, you know, what was up with that? Like, I would love to get more information on that because my whole life, my parents have been very vague with um, trauma mm. in life. Uh, you know, I'll give you a perfect example, David. You know, when my when my when my dog passed away yesterday, first thing my father said was, are you going to let your four-year-old son watch, watch all that go down? Maybe he should yeah. stay in the other room. Yeah. I asked him, I said, do you want to come with mommy and daddy? Yes, I do. All right, come on, let's go. And I let him experience that. So uh, it's been like pulling teeth to try to get, you know, uh, 
so, so, some, some real facts out of my parents over the years. Yeah. Uh, so what I, what I heard recently was, you know, again, no, no disrespect to my mother. I mean, God rest her soul. She, she's been trying to figure herself out, you know, her whole life. And, um, what was happening was she was, she was giving me water way too early in my, in my childhood. And so I was, I was an infant, you know, and she kept giving me water, water, trying to calm me down. Cause I guess I was colicky at that, at that time. And what happened was it flushed all the nutrients right out of my body. Oh my God. And you know, if you're, if you're two years old or less than two years old, you know, I, I can't be honest with you, David, I think we started letting our son drink water, like around three. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so that was the case. So they got me to the hospital and, and, and thank God, cause I'm here today. And, and, you know, I always say this story is always triggered this, this thought in my head, like Henry, you're here on borrowed time. You got to wow. make the best of it. And, uh, you know, people are watching you know, people, people are watching from above and, uh, by no means am I super religious, but I'm not going to spend my, my physical life here on earth, wasting time, wasting energy. And, um, and I, I truly believe like what you give in life is what you get in life. And, uh, that goes on all different, all different levels, your personal, your professional, um, your, your subconscious mind, you know, all of this. So you, you, you get what you give. And so if I'm not giving, I'm not getting, I'm not getting. And so that, that, that has been a huge, huge thing for me. Um, I would say recently, David, uh, growing up, I was a very insecure kid, lacked a lot of confidence. Father tried to raise me himself the best he could love him to death. He did a great job with what he had and what he knew. Um, but I'm not going to live the next 40 years and raise my son the same way I was. And, you know, and, and I'll, I'd like to touch on, you know, that relationship with you and your son, because I think that that really closely correlates between the relationship with you and your clients, as well as I get to know you better, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned you went to uh, uh, college in Amish country. Where'd you end up going to school? Kutztown University. Kutztown, did you? Okay. Okay. <laughs> what would you major and what was that experience like? So, so communications was my major. I went in as an, uh, trying to go in for uh, accounting and I took my first macroeconomics class. I was like, get out of here. <laughs> I am not built for this. I am not built for this. But one of the things that, that people told me was, listen, um, you got to triple down on your strengths. And the one thing, you know, my mother gave me was a personality and the gift to gap because mm. she loved talk, talk to talk. You know, she came in the room and everybody knew who she was in three seconds and uh, everybody loved her at the end of the night because she had everybody pissed in her pants laughing. <laughs> and um, so I said, why not transfer majors and get into communications? And so while everybody was in speech class and all of those like, you know, public speaking classes and all of that were, were, were scared to death to speak in front of people. I was like, you know, I'll speak in front of 5,000 people to more to merrier. Like, so I just breezed through all of that, all of those classes because I was so, I was so good at it. And then as I, as I graduated, I realized like, I want to lead, like, I, I really want to lead people. And so when I got to the hospital, I started very low level. 
and uh, they were offering for higher education. They were going to pay for it. So I said, why not? So I, I signed up to Fairleigh Dickinson uh, over here in uh, Teaneck, mm-hmm. and uh, I got my master's in uh, business management. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I would be remiss if I did not introduce you to my partner and the CEO of Epic Financial Strategies, Rob Gill, who I see has just been able to, to join us. Hey, Rob, are you there, brother? How you doing, David? How are you? Happy uh, Trajectory Tuesday, Infinity X, and um, it's, it's nice to see you guys. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Awesome. Nice to meet you, Rob. It's nice to meet you as well, my friend. I heard a lot of great things about you, Henry. Thank you. Um, I'd like to jump in. I'm going to let Dave kind of run with it a little bit, and then I'll, I'll pick my spots when I can come in, if that's okay with everybody. Sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Rob, thank you so much. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, so Henry, so you got your master's, uh, your MBA at Fairleigh Dickinson, but you had a little bit of a struggle, correct me if I'm wrong, in finding, you know, that ideal job, right? Like right out of school, right? You know, I think the first job that you had was at Hackensack University Medical Center, was that's, it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yep. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah. So, so, so my uncle, so I, prior to reaching out for some help after, after I graduated college, um, you know, I was on all of those sites like monster and, you know, indeed wasn't around back then, but, uh, I was on all of those like resume submission, uh, apps and, and whatnot to try to get a job. And it was right after nine 11. So, everything was very locked down. And so my uncle, he has a, he has a pretty big construction company up here in Northern New Jersey. And uh, he was very well connected with the hospital. So I reached out to him and I said, listen, I'm, I'm shooting blanks here when it comes to trying to get a job. And I'm hungry, Uncle Joe, like I, I want to work like, but I didn't really want to do construction at the time. I, I really wanted to have that as maybe a fallback if nothing was, was, was going to, pan out. So he says, well, let me see what we could do over at the hospital. So I re- I'll never forget. This is a great story. I, I go there and obviously his name is on the, the, all the paperwork. And so they opened up this big book and I was, they were like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I, I don't know. Um, so they, they pointed a few positions out and um, it's very interesting. So I, I found this one position and it was it had this fancy title, but you're, you're basically checking insurances at the same day surgery center. That's what I was doing. Right. And uh, it was like a $32,000 job. So I remember leaving that interview and getting a call from my aunt that, that night. And she said, you know, uncle Joe heard that you were, you know, went for the interview, how to go. I said, it sounds like it went, went well. I says, uh, but you know, the job was 32,000. So he gets on the phone and he says, tell him you want 50. <laughs> I'm like a 22 year old punk kid out of college. I, I had no idea, like, you know, 50. So, I, so I says 50. And he, and, and he said, what, you don't think you're worth that. Mm. And I'll never forget that. That was close to 20 years ago. So I go back into the hospital the next day and uh, they said, okay, this is the job you want. I said, yeah. I says, but is there some wiggle room for the salary? And they said, well, what are you looking for? And I said, I was so scared, dude. I was like, "Uh, I don't know, uh, 50. 
And she like looked at me like I was crazy. And she says, well, you know, certain positions have certain, you know, ceilings. 50s a little bit out of that ceiling. But uh, so they wound up giving me, I think it was like 38 or 39, right? Mm -hmm. Right out of the gate, right? So I said, all right, I'll take it. Because he said to me, he said, no matter what they tell you, just take it because that's you're going to get, you're going to get in the door that way. And then once you get around and you, you show your, your, your potential, we can, we can move you up. So I get in there and my boss hated my guts because of who I was connected with. You know, politics could both, both, uh, work both ways, right? So this was actually working against me mm-hmm. that I actually got my foot in the door through a connection, but the boss hated me because she had no, she had to take me. Right. So what they did was they actually over I had a three month probation uh, before they actually gave me my benefits. And so this woman just had it out for me. So at the end, she would she would set me up. She would she would put these bogus things in people's folders to see if I would catch them as I was checking them in and checking. Oh, Oh, it was was brutal. (laughs) And uh, so finally, I took note of all of this and uh, I went back to him about a month before my probation was up. And I said, I have this all documented of what's going on. So he's like, all right, well, why don't you go to her boss and tell her what, tell her what's going on. So I did. And that boss had her, had her stuff together. She, she knew she was, she's like the senior vice president now, or she's way up now uh, at the hospital. And she got me at, she got me out of there. She says, I'll get you, I'll get you upstairs. You'll be doing the same thing. I don't know if it's more money, but I'll, I listen, you don't want to work with work with somebody 2000 hours a year and, and, and hate their guts. So she winds up moving me to the breast center and it was like $5 more an hour. So it actually worked out. I got a promotion in two months. Um, a couple of, got a couple of promotions. Yeah. 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 So, so I stayed there for, for, for another two years. And once I got my master's degree, you know, I've always had this fire inside of me to just level up, level up, level yeah. up. Uh, so I, I, I kept, I kept going in for every, every position that was directorial or managerial. And I just kept getting the, the door slammed in front of me because I was 23 with a master's degree, zero experience. Like yeah. nobody was going to take a bet on me and te- except this one guy, uh, he put me through the ringer. As far as the interview process goes, I had to meet with him like six times until he said yes. But, uh, he got me into the children's hospital as uh, an assistant director to uh, the Sudden Infant Death Syndrome Center. So if you don't know what that is, it's SIDS is when a baby dies under the age of one with no cause at all. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I was, I was able, so my, my position there was to not only raise funds for the department, but to take those funds and actually create events to bring all the families in the state of New Jersey that had a baby die of SIDS together for support. So wow. I was I was responsible to for for coming up with four events a year, so one a quarter, right? And uh, so Z100, I got Z100 to sponsor one of my events, and that's where we can actually get into how I got bit by the design bug and and branding bug. And uh, my buddy was a graphic designer, was helping me with that event, showed me what graphic design was, and I just was like, I need to learn this. 
And so I taught myself, I had my boy, I convinced my boss to buy me Photoshop. I said, listen, we're going to save so much money if I just do it all in house. So I don't know if that was the best thing or the worst thing she ever did for me, because once I got that program, I went to town and I not only did everything for the hospital, but I started a side hustle. Yep. And that was the, that was the game changer. So, Henry, let me ask you a question. It's Rob Gill. Um, where, where part of, because I missed the beginning, what part of Jersey did you grow up in? So, born and raised in Red, uh, born born at Riverview uh, Medical Center in Red Bank. But uh, most of my, most of my childhood, I was, I was raised in Long Branch, New Jersey. Is that where you, where are you located now? I'm up in Sparta now. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you, so I kind of did the reverse. Uh, I came from North Jersey and then came down here. Um, early in my career in Red Bank. Very cool. Um, yeah, man. So, so it sounds like to me that the early years created um, a competitive desire in college from what I was hearing. And somewhere in college, uh, I don't remember too many people I know getting their master's at 22, 23 years old. So that's pretty incredible. You know, the discipline there is, is, is on point. What I love is the entrepreneurial side of how uh, you found your way through um, this Photoshop, right? And Z100 being able to raise money for a cause bigger than yourself. It had probably some kind of meaning to you that gave you purpose every single day. It gave you a why you were able to have some juice and wake up in a way that maybe other folks didn't have to do it. And to organize four of those a year, they're not the easiest things in the world to do. And, you know, people lost their children and they want to be heard, felt, seen, and listened to. Yeah. Incredible. Hats off to you. Can you tell me before we get into the branding side, your first experience that you may know of that you actually were an entrepreneur earlier in your life that maybe kind of tapped into this opportunity once you started going down the Z100 path. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, unfortunately my, you know, it's a funny story and I, this is a crazy question that, that is going to haunt me forever. And I just have yet to get a, a good answer from either of my parents. These, these two knuckleheads tried for 16 years to have a child right and they both kept up coming it took them 16 years to have me right and once they did i think what happened was my mother didn't realize the responsibility of motherhood and and actually raising a a a a a human being so she filed for divorce there was a lot of other stuff going on but these two battled out a horrible divorce uh, for over six years between the, my age of 10 and 16. And my father was the one that actually got custody of me. So here's a single dad, mid 40s, late 40s, because they had me when, when, and ironically, we had our son pretty old. Well, uh, so my father was like 39 when he had me. So you know, trying to raise this kid on his own. So he was a shop steward for UPS for 33 years. Um, And he had three other side hustles because he was a really sharp mechanic. He still is to this day. Any toy that broke this day, he would fix it and it would be good for 30 years. (laughs) And, uh, but he taught like 13 years old, I'm mowing lawns, Rob. You know, uh, 12 years old, I'm under the the car with my dad holding, holding oil filters uh, up and, 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 cha- and, and doing, doing oil changes, you know, 
And so I just learned at a very young age that you got to hustle your butt off to, yeah. to, 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 to have anything in life. And, uh, I give, I give my hat off to my father, man. He, he sacrificed a lot to, to raise a child on his own. And he was not afraid to work to make sure that, you know, there was food on the table and clothes on my back. Thank you for sharing that. And, and if you don't mind me asking, how, how did your relationship with your mom turn out? So it was rocky for most of my life. And it wasn't until later on in life that we actually had a relationship um, that was solid enough. But uh, it was tough, man. You know, it was it was really tough. She never came to any one of my graduations. And that mm. really hurt me. So, you know, I had a really big ego 12 years ago. And, uh, you know, when I got married, I was like, you're not coming to my wedding. And, you know, mm. that was a real tough tough decision I had to make. And, you know, be honest with you guys, not to get too personal, but like, I was afraid she wasn't going to show up to that. And you don't want, you know, to, you don't want to deal with the rejection. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be disappointed because she would always say yes. And then just not show. Right? It's interesting. It's interesting how, um, cause I, I relate to the feeling of, of fear. I'm going to use, I'm not saying this is you. I'm going to say it was mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. but I had an overwhelming fear of rejection growing up. Um, which eventually led me into drugs and alcohol, which eventually led me to being sober um, since July 1996, one day at a time, mm. um, just celebrated 25 years. Congrats, the point man. is, when I got sober, thank you. When I got sober or prior to getting sober, my desire to sabotage relationship would preempt anyone before they could do it to me. And then when I got sober, because then I had to deal with all the stuff that I just ignored for 25 years. Yeah. I would I would be able to do exactly what you said is, hey, I'm not even going to invite that person because they don't I don't care who it is. They don't have a chance to say no to me. You know right. what I mean? Right. I relate. I'm not saying that you, but I can relate to that no. feeling. Very much um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for that access. Uh, thank you for your heart. Honestly, look for forward sure. to, to hearing what's about to happen next. And uh, I just wanted to kind of get a little feel. And um, listen, one of my buddies that I grew up with, he, he was raised by his dad. Um, turned out to be a very successful person in life. And, um, you know, I know I, I seen from a distance what that, that was like for him growing up. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so that's why I was able to kind of connect with you on that. But so tell us about what happens after, uh, after the Z100 um, <laughs> sponsorship and, and where it led us to where we are now. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy, man. So, so we had that event, we raised about 25 K that was a lot for me back then. And, and, we went on, we did some cool things, but what I started to do was really try to build up my side hustle as a designer. So at the time, you know, again, early twenties, I was big into the nightlife scene, you know, it was sort of a rite of passage up here in North Jersey. Like we always went out to the clubs and, and uh, Jerry, my, my, the guy that taught me graphic design happened to be a club promoter. That's how I got the venue for that fundraiser. And um, so he started kind of introducing me to all the other promoters that were up here doing nightlife. And uh, they all started hiring me for the nightclub flyers. To what, get now, where was, it? was this in the city or is this in Jersey? Like where, well, where? this is, this is North Jersey. And then what happened was I, I got so big where I started bleeding into Connecticut. I started bleeding into wow. New York and I, there wasn't one club in the tri-state area that I had not worked for. 
So I had the whole game locked down. And the funny thing, I look back and like my designs were awful. <laughs> but the one thing that was funny, um, and this is this is the big takeaway I want everybody to get. I knew I couldn't outskill my competition. Yep. So I had to figure out where they were weak. Work. And where they were weak was turnaround time. That my clients wanted things yesterday. And as a self-taught designer from pure naivete, I think, right? I would get things done 10 times faster because I didn't know all the, all the design detail that went into a project. So I would take all these shortcuts, but it would look just as nice or if not nicer at one point. And so my clients absolutely loved me for that. And they gave me all the business. They gave me all the business. And did they, did they give you the business, Henry, because um, you got to them first with the result in the product? Or when you say shortcut, will you work in an hour early and an hour later every day compared to everybody else? Well, let, I, I can't forget to, to share. I stayed at the hospital three, three years before I went out on my own. Okay. And I would work nine to five at the hospital, come home, shower, go to the gym, come home, and literally design my ass off until four or five in the morning, sleep an hour, and then go to the hospital back at for 830 and I Gary. did that. I did that for about twenty-four months straight. Wow, that's Gary V style right there. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And, and I, people don't hear that or see that side of me as much. I think as I, I should share that. And, you should, and, and people should hear that message. That's an incredible message right there, brother. Yeah, that's, the, it, that's the truth about success. Success, as you know, doesn't show up at the front door. Just so we're clear. No, you gotta go no. get it. Yeah. No. So so I did that, and finally. You know, I, I was young, so I, I burned. I had that midnight oil just burning, and it, it didn't even phase me, you know? A couple of Red Bulls did the trick, and I was gone, <laughs> right? But try to do that now at 40. It's a whole different story. Try um, it at 50. Try yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so so I did that, and then the hospital was cutting cutting back. It was 2008. Um, they were coming down. The, the, there was a lot of stuff going on with the hospital. They were cutting back a lot. Uh, so finally, I think they just started to catch wind of what I was doing because I won't lie. My hospital work started slacking because my side hustle was making more money than the hospital money. And yep. the only reason, really reason why I was at the hospital still is for the benefits. Yep. And so they saw that and they started to kind of sabotage what I was doing a little bit. So at the, like I had come back from lunch. And they'd be like, all right, you're going to go down and be a secretary for Dr. So-and-so from till 4.30. And uh, they started to put the, put the wrench in the, in the wheel a little bit to slow me down. And then finally it caught up to me and they basically said, listen, come first of the year. If you want to stay here, you can stay here, but you're going to be somebody's secretary. Uh, and that was, that was pretty much the, 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 the sign or the hint, like beat it. You know, get, yeah. get out, get out of here, because I know, I know you're not gonna be okay with that. So, so I said, all right. So I went to my uncle. I gave him the respect. I went to my uncle and I told him, this is what they're, this is what's going on. Um, what do you think I should do? You know, uh, I don't know if I could sustain this business. I don't know if it's something that it's going to be long term. 
here's another big wow moment in my life. So he meets me in his office on a Saturday morning and uh, I go in and I tell him what's going on. And, and I said, and I was so scared. I was like, maybe I could just work here and, and work construction and, and maybe do like, I don't know, project management or something. And he's like, Henry, you know, your cousins, they all went to school for this. You know, uh, what would you do here? Like, I don't even know where I would put you. And he said, you know, we do, you know, we do big jobs. Like, you know, we, we, we build highways. <laughs> and, if, and if you were, were, were on a project management job and you didn't bid it right and everything came falling down on you, how do I have that conversation with you? Mm. He goes, you're a bright kid. So I wouldn't put you behind a shovel, but I really don't know what I would, what, what, what I could do. So he said, Let, here's, 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 here's what, and this was the, this was his way of saying no, <laughs> but he said, let me talk to my, my daughter. Let me talk to, you know, the VP. Let's see if there is a place for you here and I'll get back to you. So I had like three weeks to get back to my, to my boss with an answer. So week one goes by nothing. Week two goes by. Now it's like coming up on week three. And I'm like, is uncle Joe going to get back to me? Is that, you know, cause I gotta, I gotta give him an answer. Well, he never got back to me. And I had seen him multiple times in that, in that period, never brought it up in conversation, nothing like we never even met that day. So I said, I got it. That's the answer. And that was it. I went back to my boss and I said, I'm out of here J J January 1. Mm. And, 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 and I, I remember leaving that day and saying, all right, Henry, the biggest bet you ever made on your, 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 the biggest bet you ever made in your life, and I'm not a gambler, was today. Because now you're betting on yourself. Mm. That's it. And it's a great so, bet. Yeah. And I went and this was the funny part. I grinded my ass off for that year. And I remember going to see my, my accountant around tax season. And he said, how many employees do you have? And I said, me, I don't, <laughs> I'm everything. I'm the, I'm the bookkeeper. I'm the, I'm the salesperson. I'm the, I'm the delivery boy. I'm the designer. I'm everybody. He said, you did $248,000 this year. And I just, I didn't even know. They, they, right? Like, I didn't even know. I, I knew that money was coming in and I had no time to spend it. So exactly. I saw it accumulating, but I had no idea that I was doing that kind of money yep. as, a, as, a, as one person at, at that age, right? So that really gave me the chops to, to keep going. You know, obviously yep. you got something going on here, Henry, get after it. So I just went full throttle and two months later, um, Two years later, I made my first million. And then right mm. after that, it was like every every 24 months, another million look, would roll in. Look, let me ask you, when was what, what was your age at the first million, if you don't mind me asking? I was 20, uh, 27. Incredible. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, and is that, is that when you began to like dump money back into the business and grow the business and the brand? Like, tell us a little bit about that and what that right. was like. So here's, here's, a, here's a great life lesson. Um, I was considered young money back then. Yeah. 
right? Or if you don't know what that means is. Well, I, I know what it means. I own the boxing promotional company and all the fighters used to call me young money. Yeah. Well, young money. Because I would give them money, and I never, I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Well, well, so, 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 exactly, Rob. So I was 27 years old. I had more money than my father probably saw in his whole career, and I did not know what to do with it. So, without financial literacy, what does a 27 year old do that's in the nightlife scene? He goes and buys expensive stuff. So, like, you know. I had, I had, I had Range Rovers. I had Escalades. I had, I had uh, six series convertibles. I had four cars at one point, and I did not even have a garage to put them in. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's young money, right? That that's yeah, that's young money. I would go on these lavish lavish vacations, and 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 what was what was happening was I was actually, I thought I was like showing everybody like how successful I was and how proud you should be of me and this and that. All I was doing come later on in life that I learned, I was just creating so much friction and tension and resentment Mm. between my friends, between my family. And it started to really dismember my relationships. Yep. And I remember because my wife, she she still carries around the first business card I ever had for myself. So she was around before I had a pot to piss in. And I remember when I was getting too big for my britches, she'd say, Henry, I didn't sign up for this. I don't care how much money you have. That I grew up with money. So it doesn't really phase me. But I didn't grow up with money. I, my father would take me school shopping, you know where? Canal Street in Chinatown in New York City. Yep. That's where I got my school clothes. Yep. So when I came in the money, I wanted I to eat, right? You get it. Yep. So that's what happened. So I could not afford not to work because I, yeah. I, I, I spent every dollar I made. And then you had the commitment towards the um, the, the material trappings that you purchased. Yeah. Oh, forget it. I had to I had to show everybody how successful I was. Again, yeah. coming up, very insecure, low self esteem. Yep. I have to flash, otherwise you think I am worthless or less than. And and that caught, that caught up to me really quickly. Really. Or where or I'm worried that you think that I'm worthless or insecure. Yeah, exactly. I got it, brother. So wow, I dealt tremendous. with that for years. Did, now, if, if and and just just have an open conversation. Um, were you dealing with that with in therapeutic ways? Was there was there breakthroughs for you? How did you be able to overcome these things? Uh, yeah. For any of these new folks that are on this call here, they could yeah. have businesses. They could be stuck emotionally. There mm-hmm. could be a spiritual disconnect. Um, if you have a success share, feel free to do it. If not, we can totally move on. Whatever works for you. No, I, um, I think it's a great part of the story. So five years into my business, I run it to the ground. I run it to the ground. I, 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 I started, I got out of the nightlife business because I was getting old and I didn't want to be in that scene anymore. It was not good for my health. If yep. you know what I mean? And it wasn't, it, it wasn't good for uh, a marriage. <laughs> So I, I started to get out of that scene and out of sight, out of mind. If you're not showing up and showing your face, 
you're not getting the gigs. And then yeah. I started seeing a lot of competition come in and just, it was a race to the bottom as far as price goes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people were doing things for like $25 at a, at a, at a clip. And I was like, I can't afford that. Like I can't afford to do it at this cheap. So I started to really self-sabotage the business and I ran it straight to the ground. And I came home one day and told my wife I'm broke. And it was one of the hardest things I had to say to her. Yeah. And but meanwhile, I tried to keep this facade up with the Range Rovers and, the, you know, going out to the dinners or every week, twice a week, you know, and finally it all caught up to me. And so this is why I love my wife, all five foot, 100 pounds of her. <laughs> she jumps off the bed, goes into my office, grabs the laptop, comes back, opens it up and she says, let's get to work. Now I'm thinking, wow, we're, we're where are we going? Where, what are we getting to work on? Like divorce attorneys or like, are you going to help me get out of this mess? And that's what she did. So she pointed me, she kind of gave me the nudge saying, Henry, you need help in business. You're an excellent designer, but you need help in business. Yeah. You're a hustler, but you're, you have no infrastructure. You're one of those, uh, uh, Henry's, High earners, not rich yet. Henry. I like Henry. that acronym. High yeah. earner, not rich yet. And so you're a Henry. Yeah. And, it, and it, by coincidence, my name is Henry. So it worked out well. Oh, yeah. And it was very, it was very memorable. And so I started focusing in on getting help, getting coached. So that's where I started to point my direction. And that's when I got my first business coach who actually yeah. turned into a client. And awesome. the first thing he said to me was, Henry, you're an amazing designer, but look at this website. Now, this wasn't the website you see today, but he said, beautiful website. I had just spent 26 grand on it. He said, but it's not optimized to sell. And my next bigger question is, where are you on this site? Mm. You are nowhere to be wow. found. You have this big personality and a lot to say, <laughs> but you're just this beautiful portrait but you know what's what makes you different from all the other design firms out here nothing yeah you know so i had to swallow that 26k that was one of the biggest mistakes i ever made yep uh and had to redo the whole site and that's where you know i i said i have to get this origin story out i have to tell people why i'm doing what i'm doing i have to tell people my my story yeah and that sold that's yeah. Well, the yeah. truth, you know, when you speak from the heart, you're always going to touch the heart. You'll find the avatar that's just like you, at least initially, as you begin to share your story, your experience, your experience, strength and hope. Um, amazing. And thank you for, for that access. And uh, your wife came in and saved the day, probably one of the many times in your life together. I guess the question is, um, after you got the coach and, and things began to take off, what happened next? Yeah. So one of the biggest things he told me was, Henry, if you want to get to that seven figure level, you have to replace yourself. Mm. You have to like you Mm -hmm. cannot be everything inside of your business anymore. And I said, all right, where do I go? Where how do I start? And he's like, well, that's something you have to figure out (laughs) because I don't know your business. Yeah. So, yeah. So I started with a project manager and I, I, I did not have the proper infrastructure yet for an employee 
So I hire her and she goes, all right, well, what do you want me to do? I said, project manage. She says, well, all right, what's your process? I go, process? That's what you're here for. Like, don't you come up with that? <laughs> she goes, no. Like, so I was like, given, I was given uh, the keys to the Ferrari, but like the car was nowhere to be found. Right. So, um, so she helped me build those out. And then I, we hired our first designer, our second designer, our copywriter, our developer. And then we started to build out this whole organizational chart and slowly, but surely I got out of the, 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 the practitioner role and I became the CEO. Well, I yep. became, I became now the person that's operating the business. I'm not in it. I'm on it now. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So slowly, but surely we got to build that out and then it started to become a well-oiled machine. Now, as you grow, you learn your standard operating procedures got to be airtight. Yep. Otherwise you take on one too many client and that whole thing comes crashing down. Yep. So that's what happened year for about four years after that, I started to pick up some major momentum, but my processes and, and systems could not sustain that <clears throat> volume. Right. And so oh. I, I had two disgruntled clients come hit me at the same time and it wasn't their fault. It was mine. You know, I didn't have my shit together back then. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. And uh, I had to refund like 40 grand in a day. Yeah. And that put me in tailspin number two. Yeah. You know, how the hell am I going to get out of this now? Yeah. So we, I worked, yeah. my, worked my way out of that. And uh, I said to myself, and that's when my son was born. Mm. So that's about four years ago. How, how, what's your son's name? Dante. Dante. What's up, Dante? Yeah. He was, he, he snuck in here before. Yeah. Like, so a guest appearance. Right? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we, uh, so when he was born, I knew that I had to get my act together if this business was ever going to, maintain its integrity respect yeah. and, and quality right and so i went balls to the wall with really investing in myself because i still needed that financial intelligence i didn't have it yet absolutely and, what kind of investment and 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 henry what, what kind of investments so you know dante's born you now started pouring money and what was it that you poured it into specifically so it, human resources, human, yeah. re, human resources, I said, we need to, we need more designers. We need more copywriters. We need more people. Just back into the business. You dumped it back into the business. Dumped it back into the business. Yep. I hired specialists. That was one of the things like I had, I, I looked at what I needed, right? At yeah. the time, you know, video was very big, right? Yeah. And so I needed a videographer to come and yeah. not follow me around, but like create these clips out of, of B-roll and things like that. So I hired specialists and that's, that's one of the things I want to share with you guys. That's what really scaled this business. So I'll give you a quick example. I had two designers working for me at the time and I had one working on website design and one working on packaging design, but I had them in the wrong roles. They, they were in the wrong roles. The, the, the one that I had on web really loved packaging and vice versa. And it started to show in the work because I was like, oh, come on. Like, this isn't quality. I said, how, 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 you know, confident are you are in web design? They said, be honest with you, Henry, I really like package design, but I, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say that. 
Um, I said, well, why don't we just switch roles, switch roles? Because this guy over here wants web design. Like that's his thing. And so we, we swapped roles and productivity and quality and everything went through the roof. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? One small, like, and, and by the way, this was not overnight success because it took you 13, 15 years to yeah. get to this point where you made that one shift. Yep. But it was a, it was an increase in base camp along the way because you know you still stuck to your core values as you made every human mistake that people make along the way when they're when they're experiencing a level of success that they weren't trained in life to be able to handle when it came our way you know monetary I, you know I, I don't think my dad ever made more than twenty seven thousand dollars in a year mm-hmm. and he worked three jobs and 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 so I get everything you're saying mm-hmm. but the one adjustment and listen standard. Um, operating procedures and measuring and monitoring on a daily basis. I kind of went through the same process over the last three or four years, but just that one adjustment. And then all of a sudden everything just changed, but it didn't. Right. Right. So, so, so what we did was we had, we had people come in where I knew I was struggling and I, and I got help. And so one of the things when you scale, like, so what we, we work with, personal brands, personality brands, for the most part, we want to, we want to help guys like, and gals like me that have, or, or, or have a consulting practice, or they're a doctor, a lawyer, some sort of personal brand that they want to, they want to monetize their expertise. They, they have a skill set, they do good work and they want to scale that somehow. Right. So that's where we focus on. I, I've worked with bigger, bigger businesses. I mean, Bon Jovi was a client for two and a half years and Russell Brunson was a client. And so I, we've worked with some big, big brands before, but I really like the folks that are stuck in six figure land and mm. want to get to seven and they don't want to make all the same mistakes I did in the past 14 years. So, yep. but one of the things that I, I really tell them to focus in on right away is to focus in on the who, not the how. And there's this great book by Dan Sullivan called Who Not How. And he always says, like in this book, it's don't focus so much on how things need to get done. Focus on who is going to do them for you. Mm-hmm. And just hire that out. You know, one of the biggest takeaways in my master's program and I took the, the Dina student had uh, the Dina students had these classes and I always made sure I got him at least twice a semester because he was such a good, good professor. And he ca- he said at every class, allocate your resources, allocate your resources, allocate your resources. And it like just sunk into my head and, and in my nervous system. And so I realized like, okay, the world is abundant with resources. It's our job to figure out how to really allocate them properly. So when I realize I need a video editor to do a specific task, that's the person I'm going to get. I'm not trying to get behind that camera, right? Yes, I can go mow my lawn. It's going to take me about 40 minutes. I charge $2,000 an hour. Yeah. So I get for, it. for me to get out there and mow the lawn, how yeah, much money lost, am I wasting? You lost 2000 every right? week. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not a good use of my time. And yeah. I love my landscaper. Don't get me wrong. We need landscapers. I'm not saying mowing lawns is a bad yeah. thing. But that's what just I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is, you know, the only thing we have is, to, you know, is time. Right. And it's very, very finite. And you really have to use it wisely. So yeah. I'm not, I don't know how to uh, edge a sidewalk 
and I'm not going to yeah. try to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have yeah. somebody that can do it with their eyes closed and, <laughs> and call it a day. So, so Henry, let me ask you a question. So um, what does it look like for you? You know, why are you doing this? What does it look like for you five years from now? What yeah. if we, if we, if we jump on another call five years from today, yeah. Um, assuming we're both hitting the strides that we want to strive that, yeah. that we want to hit, what does it look like for you? All right. So the, you, so there's two questions kind of blended in there. One was why are you doing it now? And two is what does it look like five years from now? So yeah. I'll give you the first answer. <clears throat> when I turned 40 last year, I made a commitment to myself. I said, you've, 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 you've scratched and clawed your way to success from day one, the past 40 years of your life. Yep. You will not live the, the next 40 years, God willing, the same way you lived your first 40 because you're much smarter now. You're much wiser now, okay? I didn't have a lot of guidance growing up. I had to learn the hard way yeah. many, many times in my life, okay? My son has an opportunity to learn faster and not have to go through all of, he's going to make his own mistakes and he's going to do his own thing and he'll have to learn some things the hard way. But the reason why I do what I do today is because there's going to come a day, he's four tomorrow. Wow. Right? There's going to come a day where he's going to Google his father's name. And the only thing that I want is for him to read, for him to see, for him to hear and be proud of his dad. I love that. And again, I didn't have the stepping stones that I am going to leave behind for him just he's going to listen to this podcast one day he's going to watch this video somewhere and i said something in this in this conversation that is going to help him become a better man hmm. i'm not going to be around forever yeah so this content will live outlive me for sure amazing and so I want I, every, every pot, every interview that I do, I'm leaving something behind for him to pick Excellent. up and to figure out. Now, the second question, where's five years from, what, what does five years look like from here? Well, I consider myself a forever student. Yep. So I'm always going to be learning and I'm never going to know it all. But one thing I will know is I know how to scale personal brands now, right? So what I would like to see is, I spend most of my time doing this stuff during the day and working with clients one-on-one -on, -one on strategy. All the design and the build and the, the, the funnels and all, of the, all that gets done by my team now. Does that include a social media presence as well? Just ask yeah. Me. So when we, when we brand, when we brand a, a, a business, whether it's a personal brand or you know, a, a business, part of that branding process is to establish their social media identity, their online identity. So that's part of the brand accelerator program. Once we get done with the strategy, once they get done with me, now we have very informed information on how to 
brand them, how to design, how to message, how to build. Okay. So my team does all of that, right? I love working with my, my clients one-on-one on strategy, but I think five years from now, I'm going to be more of a thought leader. I'm going to be mm. more doing this stuff yeah. 100% of the time. And I am actually going to replace myself one last time. And I will have a row of strategists now. Yeah. All trained by me working with clients. And I kind of pop into those strategy sessions on occasion and see how things are going and add my two cents. And But that's where I see. So I see me at the top as the thought leader. I see a band of strategists. And then underneath the strategists, we have a full-blown execution team that actually does all the build outs as they're doing now, but just at a grander scale. So, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking out loud about something. Um, And I'm not even sure if this equates to you or not, but I know a very good friend and partner of mine, Chris Crone. Yeah. Um, Chris has a media company that he's starting and um, what he's doing, because it sounds like to me that you have clients that already have audiences and what he has geniusly put together um, is the ability to manage, let's say, eight to 10 people, ideal avatars, social medias, but have them, and now I'm going to take a, a cue out of my other partner, Sean Callagy, founder of Unblinded, mm-hmm. um, and create a frictionless ecosystem merger amongst these different social media platform um different social media avatars like one could be real estate one could be finance one could be you know e-commerce whatever but there's Mm -hmm. 10 different people and have their communities be able to work together with each other and i'm not saying that you said that but i'm I'm thinking i'm like wow is that is that something based on if you're the brand expert and you are the um the one-stop shop on how to uh not only create the brand, tell the story, but also be able to put together all the different social media platforms in a, in a package. Imagine if all those groups were working with each other some way to, to uh, build out their businesses. And listen, I've never come up with a creative thought in my life. I've just take, taken other people's creative thoughts and then have another creative thought. (laughs) But, but that's what just hit me when you were sharing that is um, I don't know. I just, I just, you know, it sounds like you're up to a lot of big things right now. And I know, I've seen what Chris has done, which is just astonishing. Um, the amount of traffic that he gets on a monthly basis just on his own channel. He just brought on Dolph DeRus, another very good friend of mine. And Dolph's channel is growing like rapid fire. And he wrote like a best-selling book and, you know, uh, a New York Times best-selling book that they're going to be able to start like redoing all that stuff on, on some of the digital platforms. It's pretty crazy. Awesome. And, and to your point, your message about my son, I have two boys and a girl. And, and my wife and, and, and being able to, um, you know, our digital currency live in forever, these videos, that's pretty incredible, man. And, and I am going to adopt that into one of my wives, no doubt about it. No, and I will I, give you all the credit in the world. Thank you, man. Listen, it, you know, it all starts with that, man. And, and again, it all goes back to my original story. Like, I'm not going to be here forever. And I know why I'm here. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help people. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. When my parents were going through a divorce, I was in fourth grade. And I don't know if you remember this far back, but we would open up the textbook and every 
class member would have to read a paragraph and sure. you know right and and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and yeah. i'll never forget it it's my turn and i completely collapsed because i wasn't a good reader and i could i slammed the book and i start crying hysterically <laughs> i don't know was i seven years old or eight years old at fourth grade i don't i don't know um and she goes what's the matter i remember her name mrs harris she says, what's the matter? And I was like, my parents are going through a divorce and it's horrible and I don't want to go home. And, and I remember she closed, she said, all right, guys, we're done reading today. Wow. We're going we're to help Henry. And so she went for like a half an hour and she talked about life <laughs> and like what a divorce was. And, and, and next thing you know, I see all these hands popping up around me saying my parents are going through a divorce too yeah and i don't People know being real. they were right? able to relate right yep. and, and 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 but i forget the details i remember <laughs> mrs harris set it up where i was in the back of the room at one point and one by one kids were coming up to me asking me for advice don't ask me how that, how she was able to mix that and remix that and make that happen. But at that day, I said, I am on this earth to help people. Unbelievable. And at the because same it was time, empowering. yeah. And at the same time, I was being helped by those people coming, those kids that were struggling with the same thing that I was struggling with coming up to me, asking me for help. And so I'll, I'll never forget that. And then when I got into college, I had a, I'm sorry, uh, high school, I had this English teacher who just saw something in me that I did not see. Mm. And he would always volunteer me for things. And I used to get so mad at him because I'm like, I am, uh, I don't want to do this. I don't think I can. I'm not, I don't have the, that leadership. Like I'm your best number two, but I, I, I can't be your number one. Like I, I don't, I don't have that in me. And he, he kept pushing me. And then when I got to college, I had some momentum behind me and I, I began, uh, getting involved with school. I was never in a frat or anything, but I started to get involved. Um, and I became an orientation facilitator, which basically you, yeah. you, you helped every freshman, you kind of, they come for two days and you kind of show them around. And I did that for two years. And that's where I think I really built up some leadership capability. And then when I got into my professional career, I knew I needed to lead and I had to lead to feel fulfilled and gotcha. I, I just never look back after that. Incredible. Incredible. What verticals do you see the greatest opportunities for in business now? Right. Because you're obviously speaking with, you know, multiple different, multiple styles of businesses, whether yeah. they're small or medium size, where are you seeing the, the, the high growth verticals and like, where do you see opportunity that should be concentrated upon? Yeah. So you got to find the gap between what your competitors are doing and what, where your where the customer's frustrations are. Mm. That's what you got to look for. And that's where you got, that's where you got to attack. Right. So there's a gap between that, those two points. That's where you got to go in. Look, 
I was just, there's a great podcast I listened to. It's called Robin Hood Snacks. I don't know if you ever, ever heard, well, Robin Hood, the app, you know, the, 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 the investing yeah. app, yep. well, there's a podcast arm to it called Robin Hood Snacks. I highly recommend you listen to it. It's a 17 minute podcast every morning, Monday through Friday. And these two guys just kick massive tail. And they were talking about today, how these big food companies, you know, they might've missed the mark with like the impossible burger and, you know, the, the plant-based meat. Well, now they're getting into plant-based fish Mm. and they're going to attack that market so powerfully and so hard. Right. Um, What's the other one? Uh, So Sonos, I, I was just listening to the podcast this morning. Sonos, you know, the speaker company. Sure. Yeah. Well, years five years ago, they went and connected with Google to try to get the, their technology into Google and Google and but they had a bunch of patents, right? Google basically stole the patents, and they went and sued Google. And Friday, the the judgment was for them. Mm. So they actually beat Google, right? Uh, and now Google may have to license every single Sonos speaker. To 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 uh, or or Google have to pay Sonos licensing fees for the technology that they quote unquote so, stole right so licensing deals is is huge um, so look for those gaps uh, you know it, it's so that's such a big question David I would need another hour to kind of sift through that <laughs> but I think it, I think the biggest thing that I want you guys to get is is to find that gap between audience frustration and competitor offering and go in on that hard. Yeah. So do you have a technique, uh, Henry, on how to find the blue ocean that you're talking about? Yeah. So, well, let me give you another example, right? Uh, There's a company out, there's a brand out there called Figs. I don't know if you ever heard of it, right? Um, So I, I worked at a hospital and I understand scrubs the uniform of all you know hospital employees and and Mm -hmm. and and there's nothing more that that these nurses and these 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 uh healthcare professionals hate the most is these scrubs that make them look like spongebob no matter how skinny you are right you look you look like spongebob in scrubs right (laughs) And, and so this there's this brand out there called figs so they looked at Lululemon. They looked at the trend of athletic leisure. Mm-hmm. And they said, how can we make scrubs fashionable? So they created figs. figs. So my wife, uh, my sister-in-law is actually a nurse manager up in uh, New York Presbyterian in uh, the city. And uh, she came, she came over one day and she's wearing these scrubs. And I go, that looks like a, that looks like a, a business suit. Like just the, the texture and the way it was fitting her. And like, she's in good shape. So like, I was like, this looks like a beautiful suit. She goes, yeah, these are my figs. And it just coincidentally today, they were talking about figs or yesterday they were talking about figs on this podcast. So I was cracking up, but here's a, here is a founder that said, here, here's a, here's a pain point. Here's a pain point that's not being served. 
So it is that small, right? I give you a quick example. How I saw my blue ocean was this. Everybody kind of knows me as like the funnel guy, right? You, you, you're pretty savvy with uh, click funnels and building sales and marketing funnels. And everybody out there that was building these things, they had no branding experience, nor did they have any design experience. They can Frankenstein a funnel together using the templates Ooh, and stuff. I love that. You brought innovation from outside the industry. I right. love that. And that's, and that's where I, I, I killed that market. And that's, wow. that's where I found my blue, my blue ocean because there was nobody serving that market with the level of design and quality like me. Another big gap I see, and feel free to steal this one from me, guys, but there's a lot of coaches and consultants out there that are strictly lip service. That's right. They'll tell you, you got to do this. Yeah. And then they take your 10 grand and then they say, go figure it out. Now you know what to do. Yeah. And I, 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 I paid that 10 grand so many times yep. and got nothing, <laughs> yeah. right? Yep. Other, I got a bunch yeah. of knowledge, so I don't, I won't say nothing. I got no, a bunch I, of knowledge, but I got a bunch of knowledge. I didn't know what to do with. Do and with. then you created a program. Sorry, David Harder. You created a program on how to communicate with people. So that didn't happen to them. That happened to you. Back to you, Dave Harder. 805 is the time we are infinity x if somebody has a question for henry please put your hand up or uh, mention it in the chat Kabir, um, Kabir's on fire he's ready to go there he is yeah uh, i'm yeah, happy to i'm happy to field any questions i wasn't really Kabir. monitoring the chat so much but big daddy got his hand up Kabir got his hand up yeah um, yeah it's uh, so uh, we, in the race we got Kabir first so Kabir, go ahead and unmute yourself brother <laughs> Hey, how you doing? Uh, how you doing, man? Henry? Nice to nice to hear from you. Love hearing your story. Thank uh, you. I wanted to uh, first offer some uh, condolences. I believe your dog of nine years yesterday passed away. Yeah. Uh, offer my condolences on that. And also, happy birthday to your son turning uh, turning four tomorrow. Thank so you. I had a, kind of like a two part question for you. So on the day that you had to refund forty thousand dollars, how were you able to keep your head up and allow yourself to still see the opportunities? And moving forward, really owning up because any good business owner always owns up to their own challenges, right? So I'm sure that that's how you move forward, taking ownership of those challenges and moving forward from there. So how did you really own up to it and knowing that this is still something that you can do and it is what you want to do and kind of go from there? That's a great question. So this is a really good lesson in business and in life. So one of my, one of my big things in life was you always got to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that even if you are wrong, you got to do the right thing. So I knew um, I wasn't properly serving my clients. So I did not deserve their money. So that's why I refunded them the 40K and well, each 20. So, so sure. what I realized was I would rather do the right thing than try to fight them knowing I was wrong. Okay. But here's what happened. So not to get too long winded. Mm-hmm. One of the guys was pretty savvy. One of the clients, one of the disgruntled clients was pretty savvy with tech. And you could still do it to this day, but he had this company that would leave reviews like Google reviews and uh, right. Yeah. Right. And you could, you could hire these services and they could go and they could do Google reviews and give all five stars and right. And it's, it's cheating in my opinion, 
but (laughs) he used this service. He used this service a different way when this all went down and I'm not going to lie. There were some screaming matches going back and forth between me and him. Sure. He took it upon himself to take this bot service and, and, and go on my social media platforms and leave negative reviews. Mm-hmm. He actually went the morning I the morning this all went down, I was getting private messages on Facebook from family members going, "Did you get hacked?" Because I just got a PM saying that you were a fraud and that you stole $10,000 or $15,000 from them. Mm-hmm. And I go, "What in the world?" That's when I knew like that's when I knew like World War 3 was happening online. Mm-hmm. So I go, oh my God, I need to, I need to take care of this. They were going on my Instagram and commenting on all my posts saying that I was this fraud and that I was stealing from them and all of this. And I was like, and you could tell the English was horrible. So yeah. like you could tell it was botted, but it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. Right. You get one or two people that are like, oh, who is this Henry guy? You know? Mm-hmm. So I had to put out a statement on social media saying what was going on and telling everybody. So at that moment in time, I had probably put in about a year and a half worth of social media FaceTime, a lot of video. I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was out there, right? I was just sharing my story and sharing my personality and sharing my thoughts. And, you know, I started to build up this audience. And so when this all went down, I put out the statement of what really went down. And I said, mishandled a project, went to hell. I refunded everybody. That's the story, you know? And so I had to take a day off that day because it was so overwhelming. So I come home around seven o'clock and I go into Facebook for the first time just to read the comments in that statement. And there was like 178 comments and it was all of my audience going to bat for me. Wow. Bravo. And they were like, Henry, we know that you're going through growing pains. You've been talking about it for three months (laughs) in your, in your live streams. And, you know, we know you're not a fraud, but we know that you need help. And it sucks that this all went down, but Mm -hmm. we know who you really are. So just, and, and it was just one of those comments after the other that day. And so what I realized was this is a 40K hole I got to get out of. Yeah. So how do I get out of it? So there was a couple of things that I did. Um, I asked for help. Okay. I asked for help and I told my father what was going on. And he said, Henry, I'll, 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 I don't want to tell you this, but I'll tell you this because you, you need help. He says, I've been putting away money for you for your entire life. And I never told you about it. So when I die, you have have money, okay? He said, so how much do you need? And I told him 40K. And he said, all right. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you this right to your face. If I give you this money, this is money coming out of that savings, so you can't come to me next year and ask for another 40, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so I said to him, I said, all right, how about we do this? How about you give me increments of five? 
5K. And when I think I'm good, up to 40, I'm, I'll say, stop sending me the money. Mm-hmm. So we got to about 32,000 and I said, don't need, the, don't need the rest, keep it, save it. Mm-hmm. I sold two Rolex watches, put that money right back into the business. And that's how I got my 40. And then the funny thing was that year, I did 1.3 million in sales and I got the two comma club award. So this award right over my head here is when you have a sales funnel that generates over $1 million Mm -hmm. in revenue. Uh, And so I knew that that was the catalyst. That was the, the back breaking pain that I had to go through in order to deserve that award. And so that gave me the, the, the momentum um, and the abundance mindset that I could get out of this. If I can get out of this, I can get out of anything. And that was that lesson. So uh, I hope that was helpful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And just just a small follow-up on that. What would happen if uh, tomorrow if you hit a similar roadblock and how would you behave differently this time? Ah, so, <laughs> so the good news is, is I've gotten very financially intelligent over the past four years. So if that were to happen again, I, I would not have to go to anybody because I have the financial ability to get myself out of it, right? So one of the things that I realized growing up is you really have to live within your means. People say under your means, you could live with under your means too. That's fantastic. But when you live within your means, you have runway. And that's one thing that I learned mm-hmm. later on in yeah. life. The more runway you have, the better. So like when COVID hit last year, you know, I had so much runway built up. It was like a blip and like COVID never really affected my business. If anything, we had record breaking months during the COVID year, uh, the COVID year, because everybody got caught with their pants down because they realized how unprepared they were for the digital uh, online presence. Like, you know, so they all came rushing to me saying, oh my God, I need a new website. I need a funnel. I need to get my act together on social media because now I'm working from home and, you know, or, or I got fired (laughs) and I need to, I need to fend for myself now. Mm, So some people really reinvested back into themselves and we were happy to serve those people. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kabir. Yeah. Great question. Would love to connect uh, as well later. I'll, I'll pass the mic to somebody else. Sure. Thank Beautiful. You. Um, Big Daddy, I think, had a question, and then Nikhil typed in a question. Um, is Big Daddy still here? Big Daddy's still here. There you go, Tom. My video on? I don't know. Yeah. So, H- Henry, uh, really, really great story, and the way the the way you. Uh, yeah, the way you deliver the story is just really powerful. And I really, um, you know, I, I try to make all of these infinity X things and, you know, some of course are better than others, but this was just spot on, at least for me. So thank you for making the time. Oh, thank you. You said two things in the course of, of what you were saying uh, that I picked up on both as they relate to uh, coaches. Okay. You said that you, you, you know, you re- recognize that you, you didn't have like business acumen and you had to pick a coach. So my first question is, you know, what criteria worked for Henry in picking a coach? And then at the tail end of what you were saying, 
You said there are plenty of people out there that will take your 10 grand, but not really deliver. So how do you, how do you weed that out would be the uh, second part of the coach question. Oh, that's Good a question. great question. So let's, let's tackle question one, right? So one of the things that I look for immediately is from a coach is, are you achieving or did you achieve the results that I am looking for? That's number one. Okay. So if you did, then chances right. are you're going to have, you're going to have the, 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 the insights that I need to fast track my way to get to where you're at right now. That's number one. Number two is, do you have the values that align with my values? Because I know a lot of super successful people where when you really get to meet them, you're like, oh, whoa, I did not realize that you did it that way. And maybe that way, air quotes, mm-hmm. wasn't really ethical through in Europe, in, in, through your you know, perspective. Right. Right. So, so you got to make sure that the, their values align with your values. Make sure you, you know, you do your homework, you know, make sure that they, they are practicing what they preach and, and that they achieved what you want. Right. That's number one. Number two, um, setting expectations. I just actually did what the, it's it's in a video or an Instagram carousel. I forget, but I just, I just did a, a piece of content about, vetting the coach or consultant that you're looking to hire. One of the things that you want to ask is what results are you promising here? Mm. What can I expect once this engagement is over? So I get this question a lot because I'm a premium service and I won't lie about that. And I'm very proud of it actually. So when they ask me, like, Henry, I'll spend 36K with you. What can I expect? And so I tell them, I said, I don't know if this is going to make you money. Okay. But one of the things I can tell you is going through this strategy, you are going to be well informed on what approaches and execution you need to take to make that goal of whatever you decide come to fruition. That I can promise you. But look, at the end of the day, I can't run your business. Hmm. I could give you the the keys to the Lamborghini, but if you don't want to drive it the way I told you and the way I trained you. Right. Right? I can't take responsibility for that. So here's what I promised my clients. I promised them a couple of things. One is I'm going to leave you better than I found you. That I could promise. And if you don't think you are, are, are left better than I found you, then I don't deserve your money. Right? So I'll give, I'll give you your money back. I don't, I, don't, I don't even care about it. Right? I have never in, in, in that big refund four years ago was the last big refund I ever had to give. Love it. So, so, so that was the, that lesson. And I said to myself that day, that is your promise to yourself. You will deliver or over deliver what you promise. The other thing I'm going to promise is I'm always going to be three steps ahead of you. Cause that's why you're hiring me in the first place. If you have to tell me what to do, <laughs> I'm no longer a good fit. A value, right? Yes. Right. Period. So 
that's that's some that's the big question I would ask. And what can I expect? And what are the results that you could promise? And see how they answer that. If they try to say, well, we can get you, and this is something that I hear a lot. We can get you a hundred new clients in 30 days. All right. Well, what if you don't? Right. If right. if that's because that's a big promise, right? So what, well, yeah. what happens if you don't? Actually, Henry, I first of all, thank you for that. It's not just, hey, uh, let's promise somebody 30 clients, but the real question is. Can you promise somebody, because they, they may say, yeah, we gave you 30 opportunities. The real question is, can you promise 30 opportunities where people are in a peak state to hear the message that you have to share on why you can help change their world, right? Like that's that's the levels that we look to approach when we do our stuff. So excellent access, Big Daddy, excellent question. And thank Great you so questions. much. Great thank questions. Thank you, Henry. Yeah, thank you. Let's go, question. Dave. Can you read Nikhil's question out loud? Can you see it? Yeah, I sure can. Want? Yep, I sure can. And then we have a question from Parker Russo after that. So, um, Henry, from Nikhil uh, Bond, who was your first hire when you were ready to scale? Yeah, so it was project manager one. So that the project manager could be an assistant, a virtual assistant, right? And that's exactly what this person was. And they helped me build out the team because now I had somebody to strategize with, Right. And she, she knew she was experienced. She was a very experienced virtual assistant and I still have her today. We're going on five years, uh, having the same project manager, uh, the same designers, the same developers. Right. And I, and I really, really kind of, I'm proud of that. I'm not going to lie because there's a lot of people out there that go through virtual assistants or, 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 or vendors, like they go through their underwear. And it's the truth. It's the truth. And, and, and I go to say to myself, why is that happening to you over and over and over again? And one of the things I realize is they treat overseas workers uh, like ninth world citizens. Yeah. And that really bothers me. Yep. Right. So I, my, yeah, I have, I have, my team is on four different continents, okay? Three different time zones. I treat them like they all live in New Jersey. And I pay them a rate. That's another thing that my uncle taught me. So he only hires union workers and he only pays them a rate. So when he gets a job, and he needs that over the people to stay longer and to do the extra and to do the, they're happy to do it because he pays them a premium. So I pay all my virtual teams premiums. Oh, I, I remember hiring my one designer and he said, I'm $13 an hour. And I said, I'll give you 19. And I, I thought he, I, he, I thought he was going to have a heart attack on the Zoom call. He hit the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I said, and 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 it was funny because you know what you learn, you like to give back, right? So I said, what you 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 don't, you don't deserve nineteen an hour. <laughs> and he smiled. Fifty k. Yeah. And 50K, he said, okay. Right? He said, okay. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. And so, but so now, so now, David, take a guess. I need something done on the fly. Oh yeah, he this guy, guy, this guy will pull over on the side of the road and do Absolutely. it on his phone <laughs> for yep. for me, you know. 
Uh, so, so incentivizing your team, learning, learning what they love, learning what really fuels them. I went to my project manager to one day and I said, what, what's the biggest dream you have in your life that you would love to accomplish? She said, I want to take my family to Disney world, Singapore or, or, or Disney. What was it? Uh, I don't know if Disney's in Singapore, but it was Universal Studios or something in, in, in Singapore, right? Mm-hmm. I said, all right, what do flights look like from where you're at to Singapore? And I think it was like $300, $400 or something, right? From the Philippines. I said, here's what we're going to do. If we hit our goal mm. this year, you and your whole family are going to Universal, Singapore. Boom. And so do you think we hit our goal? And she still talks about that family trip to Universal Singapore. And that was like four years ago, right? So those are the things that you do to fuel your team. It's, it's, It's not that dictatorship anymore. It's not the, you have to do this because you live over there and I live over here and I'm more important than you. That's a bad attitude. Those people, they're, they're people too. They have families. They have, you know, they, they, you know, they have people and lives to support just like you do. So just treat them that way and you'll see what happens. So that's just a little pro tip when you're building out your team is finding what drives them. And it's not always money. It's not always money. Yeah. One more question coming in from Parker Russo. Parker, go ahead and unmute brother. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yes. What's up, Henry? I just want to tell you this, that story was amazing. It hits home with me, particularly like um, a lot of other people on the channel. I, I attend these weekly. Um, I help build out the processes through it. Um, I also own a branding and marketing agency in Freehold, New Jersey. So a lot of this hits home, cut from the same fault kind of deal with me. Um, so yeah, that story was literally awesome. And I have, you know, I have my best designers in Nigeria um, my best marketers in, you know, Switzerland. So I hear you on that. I have a lot of VAs that I work with, you know, constantly. None of my guys are really based in Jersey full-time. So I guess the only thing that I've, I've ever struggled in is everything that I've learned. You know, I've had some mentor figures on the way, um, you know, that acted, but none of them were in the same role as me in a sense of like, none of them were marketers. None of them were branders. None of them were in that, you know, in that space. So is are all your mentors that you've had in your life or your mentor that you had or coach or whoever it may be, were they in that space of yours? Um, and did they know all the systems and, you know, that you needed to have and build out in order to, to get to where you are today? That's a great question. Great so question. They, they answer, yeah, it's a phenomenal question. The answer is no. Like Russell Brunson knows nothing about design industry, <laughs> nothing, but he knows digital marketing, like his back, like the back of his hand. So that was, so that was one. So one of the things that you, you, you want to build out, especially for you, Parker, doing what I, what basically the same that I'm doing is build out your board of directors, build out your board of directors. So I have a, I have, I have my board of directors and then I have my team of executioners, right? Don't expect your executioners to give you that strategic insight, right? They're executioners, right? You know that. So what's your board of directors look like? So I'll give you mine. Okay, because we're in similar similar trades. Mm-hmm. One is a mindset coach, hands down. You have to have one. You have to have a mindset coach. You have to have somebody telling you, Henry, 
where's your head at today? Right. You're not working at a, you know, you're not working at, at, at full potential here. And they call you out on, 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 on that. Cause you know, I'm working on a, on, on 12 cylinders cause I love doing these types of, of talks, but yeah. you don't think that I had bad days. I mean, yesterday mm. I had to put my dog down that I, that I just absolutely loved. He, there was so much meaning behind this dog. I mean, this dog basically convinced my wife and I to have a child. That's how much meaning is behind this dog. And, right. I, and I sat there and I watched him take his last breath. You don't think yesterday was one of the hardest days of my life. You know, okay. first person I reached out to was my mindset coach. And I said, I, I, I am hurting today. Yeah. You know, and she coached me up, you know, she definitely coached me up and I, and I, I came home and I, I made the best of the day. Right. So that's one. Number two. Um, oh man, I'm blanking. Oh, is business coach, obviously. So that's the person that, that you see in your industry that's crushing it. Right. That can help you. That is already experiencing what you're experiencing. All right. That's, that's the, that's the second board seat. The third board seat well, for me personally, is I'm always trying to level up my social media presence, even me, right? And I'm on it every day. I'm always trying to level up. So I have a social media coach that is absolutely a rock star. And what he's, he's a little younger than me. So he keeps me young and he keeps me fresh and he keeps me, uh, you know, on trend. Right. I'm not, now I'm not going to be making those Instagram reels that are going like this and pointing around. That's just not my style. You're never going to catch me doing that. Right. Um, but he really keeps my content on rails. And like, I posted something the other day. He's like, Henry, how's this going to help a coach? How is this going to help somebody scale to seven figures? And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Delete. Right. So that's, that's, that, that's another one. Right. Um, so you want to find your strategic thinkers. So wherever you're, you're hurting or deficient, find, yeah. find that strategic thinker. That's really awesome in that space and just put them on your board. It doesn't have to be for a long period of time. It may just be a, a three month stint. And then you, you, you know, you just hire them on an on needed basis or as needed basis, but you want to find those strategic thinkers where you need them. Like we were looking into YouTube ads. And the, we, we were interviewing some, some people that run YouTube ads and the, the, my business coach said, why do you need that? Why don't you just start creating shorts? Mm. Because shorts are going to really help you blow up and, and, and get you bigger reach because in, YouTube is really pushing YouTube shorts right now. Yeah. So we just saved a boatload of money hiring because these guys aren't cheap. They want like 5k a month plus ad spend, like, you know, we're yep. looking three month minimum. Uh, we're looking 20 grand. Right. Mm. So my business coach came to the rescue there and said, keep your money. If you're going to spend 20 grand over the next three months, put it back into your team, dude, put it back into your team. You got yeah. the, in, you got the, you got the manpower, put that money into your team, create more shorts. And I, you know, I'd be creating shorts for three years to spend 20 grand. That's because my editors are, aren't right. Uh, aren't that expensive. So that was a great catch by my, by my business coach. And that's why that board of director is so important because I, me, I'm a spender. I don't mind spending money, especially if I believe it's going to help 
make me a better person and the business a better quality service, right? But you always need to to have that out, outside perspective because you can be very, very uh, creative with your execution, which will cost you a fraction of what you thought you would have to spend. Right. Henry, you got good. time for one? You got time for one more question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one more. All right, Dave Hammer, go ahead, buddy. Henry, thank you by the way. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Bert. Hey, Henry. Uh, thanks, thanks for the time. Um, what? Well, first of all, sorry about the passing of your of your of your your dog because I can't imagine when mine passes. What it's it's like it's losing a family member. So I totally uh, I'm in yeah. tune with that. So my condolences there. Um, what I was struck, what I was struck by during telling of your story was how you use the springboard of a setback with refunding the money. And what resonated with me was that you had your dad who was there to help, but it must've given you such strength. And obviously it looked like it propelled you completely forward and, and you haven't stopped since. Mm-hmm. Of being able to tell your dad, you know what, just give me five grand, a little bit here and there. And then when you got to 32, you were like, dad, I got this now. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I, I, I just, that resonated with me because that's happened to me in my life. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that story. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to commend you on, you, you took a, you took a, you were able to subjugate your ego mm-hmm. and you were able to take a, what could have been a huge negative that you maybe could not have gotten yourself out of. And you just you use it as a teaching moment. And I just applaud you for what you did there. I'll give you a little backstory to that. So, you know, when he was giving me that money, I was trying to offset it any which way I could. Right. Cause I, I really didn't want to take that money. I really didn't. It was, I didn't deserve it. Right. And I kept saying that to myself, I didn't deserve it. So here's what happened. So I said to myself, listen, these Rolexes got to go back. You know, they were, they were impulse buys to begin with and they got to go back and, and that'll be the 25 grand you need to freaking get yourself back on track. Right. So I tell my father, I'm going to do it. And he's like, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. And so I said, all right. So again, big ego at the time took me two weeks to get in my car, to drive down to the jewelry store, to sell those watches back. Right. So I get down there and I, they give me a handful of cash and I, I'm driving down route 80 back to Sparta. So I call my father and I say, I got to tell you, it wasn't, it didn't sting as hard as I thought to give those watches back. And so my father said, are you done? And I said, (laughs) I said, I said, with what? He said, this, this, he said, what are you going to do one day when your boy looks you in the eyes and says, daddy, can you buy me those sneakers? And you got to tell him no, because you don't have the money to buy him those sneakers. He said, I worked, excuse my language, four fucking jobs to make sure there was food on your table every day and clothes on your back. He said, I didn't do that to you. So don't do it to that kid. And now I'm, my eyes 
Yeah. Forget it. I almost I like I'm almost had to pull over. Right. <laughs> yep. Because I said, that's it. That's it. That is the that is a blessing of a message. And that was it. I I I now well to that day, I came home and I was a big Jim Rohn fan. I still am. Mm. But Jim Rohn in one of his uh books talks about the 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 70 10 10 10 split so basically it's live off of 70 percent of what you earn and invest the other 30 in different categories and so that's what i've done for the past four years and i've built up a huge uh and and, uh investment account in stocks i have a beautiful uh, uh nest egg of 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 i call it runway money uh where i don't have to have to worry so much. I don't have to uh, work every hour of the day just so I can live, right? And so, so that's what I do. I, I, I only live off of 70% of what I earn. And that 10, 10% goes into stocks, 10% goes into marketing, and 10% just goes into like a rainy day fund. And I just done that consistently now i like get excited like when i get a big payment i'm like oh i can't wait to divvy this up right and it's become a it's become a game for me it's become a game for me and and now i i i literally live my life like that and my my son's four years old he's got more bank accounts than i do because (laughs) i'll make sure that he'll he'll never go through um those you know that financial illiteracy that I went through. You know, it's funny because my father, he still got the first quarter that he earned. And then I see my uncle who lives like, Jesus Christ. I mean, you'd think it would be, you know, you thought he was lifestyles that are rich and famous. He still is. And it's like, I was caught between my frugal father and this higher than life, high profile person that had the drivers and the cars and the Jesus, we, he would have parties at his house in Hohokus and there would be valet parking in his freaking driveway. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. this is the shit that I grew up with. And I was like, uh, I want that. Who wouldn't <laughs> want that? And when I started to make some money, like I always wanted to be like Uncle Joe. And the funny thing was, is I was living that lifestyle and I was pissing him off because of it, because he was like, Henry, this isn't the way I did it in the beginning. (laughs) I didn't do it. You know, this guy started with one dump truck. Now he's got a $200 million construction company. Like, so he, he reinvested in his business from the very beginning. He saw me pissing it away to kind of show him how successful I was, but he was, he saw right through that shit. So did my father. (laughs) Right. And so yeah. that was a huge, huge life lesson for me. And so, you know, now I have a story to tell and uh, you know, I hope Dante will never make that same mistake. Incredible. I appreciate the candor. I appreciate the stories. Uh, and thanks. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Yep. Incredible, incredible journey, incredible human, incredible story. Henry parting shots for the good folks here at infinity X. Oh man, listen guys and gals. I ran into this quote recently that really hit me hard. And it went along the lines of, you're you're a king unless you make excuses. 
you're already a king unless you make excuses. So if you're a female, you could say, I'm already a queen unless I make excuses. And that was something that I had to learn growing up. I didn't realize that I had everything that I ever wanted in my life literally under my nose. And I just couldn't see it because I wasn't grateful. I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't appreciative. And I was very selfish. I was very selfish. And so I live, and this was, this was taught. It wasn't, it wasn't embedded. It wasn't something that I, I, it just came to me like some other people, like my, 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 my wife grew up with a big family. So there's not a selfish bone in her body. Me, I'm an only child. So it was me, 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 my whole life. So it was, (laughs) it was very, very hard for me to understand this, but here it is on a bumper sticker. (laughs) You get in life, what you give, what you give. Amen. That's it. So if you're not happy with your business, Mm. how much have you given it? Are Mm. you nurturing it the way it should be nurtured? Are you giving to your audience as much as you should be giving? You know, people think branding is all about you and what you need to do and what you need to say and what you need. Branding is none of that. Branding is what you can give to your audience. Give to your clients an experience that is going to make them feel something that they can't get anywhere else. Mm. So you get in life what you give. Unbelievably mic dropping human excellence at its finest on the infinity X stage. Henry, that is the ultimate parting shot. Now I have a question for you. How do people get more of Mr. Henry Comiskey, the brand ambassador, <laughs> 150,000 subscribers on Instagram <laughs> and going. <laughs> Listen, how do they su- find you, brother? S- super easy. If you go to unique designs with a Z at the end, not an S dot net, you could subscribe to my YouTube channel, subscribe to Instagram right there. You could check out the brand doctor podcast. We're up to like 440 episodes. Um, and then we also have a masterclass there, um, that I'm proud of. We, I just redid it, but it is, it's 20 minutes long and it, it, it gets right down to it. And it basically is going to explain to you in a a real Jersey style, what the top 5% of entrepreneurs are doing to scale to seven figures and what Mm. they're not doing. And I'm sure you're going to go through that 20 minute video going, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing that. Why am I still doing that? Go check out that masterclass. I won't let you down. And uh, I know you're going to walk away with an insight that you're going to be like, ah, let's go. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Compelling conversation to say the least. Uh, Henry, I see you in the epic future. Uh, I see you in my future. And I think that there's more conversation to be had because I think we could create some magical things together. I identified with everything that you shared around the runway. Um, what you did for yourself during the COVID um, during the COVID pandemic is what we were successful and able to do for many of our business owners and our clients during that same period of time. So I'd love to learn more about what you did to, to really um, 
to scale that out and to create that base camp because I think that there's some synergies. And um, I just can't thank you enough for being so vulnerable on behalf of my partner, Rob, who had to, uh, he had to uh, step off. Um, I can't thank you enough for being as vulnerable as you were and as insightful as that you are. And I just cannot wait to see what the future holds for Henry Comiskey. And I will guarantee that your son is going to watch this podcast someday and feel mighty proud. My brother, mighty proud. Thank you for having me guys. And thanks for all the great questions and, and your time today. And, uh, I hope I, I hope I helped out in, in one way or another. So have an amazing day, everyone. Have an amazing day, everybody. We are Infinity X. We will see you next Tuesday. Uh, Henry, thank you so very much. And uh, on behalf of my partner, Rob Gill, this is Dave Harder with Infinity X, and we are signing off. Good night, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infinity X. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube by searching We Are Infinity X. Until next time.